0: This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create positive change in the world every day by being a conscious consumer. I'm your host, Laura Alexander Wittig, founder of Brightly.eco. And I started this podcast a few years ago because I wanted a place to talk about the gray areas around sustainability and how being a conscious consumer can be challenging and confusing but it's totally doable. So join me in the name of reducing waste and living positively in the name of the planet. Listeners, it's Laura back with another solo episode. Um, You know, we typically um, like to make sure that we're interviewing lots of amazing guests for you on this podcast, but occasionally we will do conversations where I'm just kind of talking with you, I suppose, (laughs) about questions that you frequently ask me or you ask us over at Brightly. So this week, I really wanted to dive into the concept of mindful consumption. Um, And, you know, this is really a concept that allows us to make more intentional choices in our daily lives. And I'd say that when we're more mindful about what we're buying, we can actually foster a more sustainable lifestyle. And honestly, it can benefit your... Obviously, it's going to benefit yourself. It's going to benefit the planet, but it's also going to be pretty nice for your bank account because when you're really hyper-focused on what you're purchasing, and what you're consuming, um, you can literally... (laughs) reclaim <laughs> some of that space in your house and then, you know, space in your bank account. Um, so I, in particular, am very close to this topic. Um, for me, thinking about my journey with consumption over the years was pretty fascinating as we, we sat down to brainstorm this episode um, and so <clears throat> you might have heard bits and pieces of my story before in various podcasts from one form or the other, but the long and the short of it is I um, am originally from Texas, from Dallas, and Dallas, if you're familiar with it, is, you know, very, it's a very interesting place to live. But one thing that I would say is that defines the area would be there's a lot of consumption, like there's a lot of new new, new, new all the time. So like, you'll never see more new buildings than you will when you go to Dallas, Texas. Like the second something starts looking a little bit old, like a strip, you wouldn't even see like a strip mall necessarily unless you're, you know, kind of on the fringes. But in Dallas proper, stuff gets torn down and rebuilt all the time. There's a big emphasis on consumerism and just like having new nice shiny things looking nice, etc. And so That's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that's not my lifestyle anymore. And it's not necessarily something like I don't live there anymore for many reasons. And that's probably one of them. But that's not to say that like, if you live in an area like that, you have to participate in it too. Um, Nor am I trying to have any kind of judgment. But I I think it's helpful to understand that I grew up in a culture of bye, 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 you know, get some new stuff, like constantly You know, we, instead of, like, going out to hike or something, there's not a whole lot of places to hike, so we should go to the mall. I mean, that's also a lot of people's childhoods, too, though, so I'm not going to, like, particularly um, hate on my location like that. Not at all. So anyway, um, what I'd say is, you know, as um, the Internet became a thing, because I am, I'm not super old, but I'm not super young either. I'm certainly young enough to remember when the Internet started taking hold or sorry, old enough to remember when the internet started taking hold. Um and I remember when Amazon.com just sold books. I remember that old logo. Um and I remember being fascinated by the internet and fascinated by how it was going to have an impact on all of our lives. And because of that, my family and I were like pretty early adopters. My mom, we had this like old school Mac. She used it for word processing. She was a writer and used it all the time for that. But we also got involved in like, you know, shopping online early and Obviously, back in the day, it was not very cheap to shop online, but one advantage was obviously you didn't have to leave your house, but the main advantage was just the selection, right? Like before, if you maybe wanted a specific book, maybe you'd have to go to a few different bookstores in person, which again, is not a bad thing, but just took a little bit more time out of your day. So I think the convenience factor even then was super interesting. So fast forward from childhood all the way into, um, you know, my early adulthood, um, just soon after college, I ended up landing at Amazon for basically my first professional job. I had, I actually graduated in the middle of recession back in 2009. Um, I worked for a while in Apple retail. So like that was probably my actual first job out of college because nobody was hiring. But I loved working at Apple retail. I got to launch the iPad. It was really kind of an interesting place to work. And Technically, I worked at Apple when Steve Jobs was still around, which is kind of cool, but I was in the retail side of things um so anyway, uh, you know, I worked in retail with apple I'd actually worked in retail previously too, so had spent a lot of like my early you know career in shopping and sort of in consumption, if you will um so when I found myself in Amazon, it was hard earned it took many many tries to get my foot in the door. I finally did. Uh, I ended up at the fashion marketing uh space at Amazon, and my whole job was to sell as many shoes, handbags, clothing, et cetera as I could every week through the email channel and I got really good at that job because I had a love for fashion, so it was kind of fun, but I also really liked to understand how people um shopped online and how you could get them to shop more and like that but that was my whole job it was just like hey, you bought a shirt last week? Here's four more shirts for you this week. Like, there was zero thought in my going through my brain about maybe this is too much. Like, nobody needs five shirts in the span of a week, right? Like, it, everything was very focused on getting, you know, getting to people to shop as much as possible. And I think the first time I noticed something or the first time I started thinking to myself, there's problems with this, was when... um I mean, there was a few times, but we, a lot of the um, women that worked there were about the same age, like in our early 20s. We would find these like cute, trendy, very cheap pieces on Amazon. We'd all get them and we'd all wear them together, which sounds silly. We actually had a ton of fun. I miss those ladies a lot. (laughs) I'm still close with some of them. Um, But I think at one point I opened up my closet and I was like, man, I've got so many like trendy pieces like stuff that was cool last fall and it's not cool now and so i had that reckoning my husband um eric and i we were married at the point at that point um and he was in the navy so we'd actually done a lot of moving around so i also had probably seen more than most the impact of like clothing waste when it came to moving places like num- whether we're talking about the sheer amount of stuff you had to box up and unpack or even just like, as we'd move into different locations, like looking at closet space or the lack of closet space and kind of mean burying under clothes. So this all kind of kind of came together, right? The, the job at Amazon, the reckoning with the amount of clothing and, and waste that I had in my personal life. Um, you know, and then I started to get curious about, okay, maybe I'm not going to purchase as much. Maybe I'm going to create a capsule wardrobe. So that's actually what I did. I um, put myself on a total spending like, hiatus in terms of clothing, and I said, okay, I'm going to come up with a capsule wardrobe, which is going to consist of, like, six or seven tops, maybe, like, two jackets, a few different types of bottoms, different shoes, and they're all going to be in the same, not color, like, exact color, but, like, coordinating color palette, so you could mix and match. That was actually really big at the time. People, of course, still do capsule wardrobes, but they're not quite as trendy as they used to be. I did tell myself if I needed to get a piece or two to go with the outfit I did. So maybe I bought like two new things to like complete the outfit. or uh, Sorry, to complete the capsule. And I loved it. I had like the biggest freedom moment for me came when number one, I opened my closet and it was nice and organized. It was like minimal looking, which had never happened to me before in my life. Um, and then I also just didn't have to think about getting dressed. Like I had this like formula that I could follow. I wasn't wearing the same thing every day cause I had options. Um, but there were limited options. So I didn't, I felt like I could always look like relatively quote unquote put together or like just, just it, everything looked nice. It matched, it coordinated. So that's kind of when I realized, okay, I actually don't have to purchase stuff all the time like I thought I did. And as a matter of fact, purchasing less or even telling myself I can't purchase anything at all in terms of clothing was really freeing. Um, obviously, didn't happen overnight. I, you know, before I got to the capsule wardrobe perspective, I did start just kind of cutting down my spending in general. Um, and, you know, it's not easy. I mean, I, for certain people and probably for me at the time, just because of where I was, like shopping can be an addiction. It can be something that's very, you know, adrenaline pumping, and you know, you can feel good about what you're wearing, and you know, it it, it can be slightly addicting in that way. And so it wasn't super easy to get started, but I actually was surprised at how easy it was to maintain once I got started. So that's kind of like what led me to to stop clothing purchasing. And as a matter of fact, of course I don't have a capsule wardrobe anymore. If I had a capsule wardrobe 10 years later, like, that would be uh, quite a feat. (laughs) I would have had to go through many, many iterations of it, right? Um, But I can tell you I don't purchase clothing anymore. Um, I, well, with a few exceptions, right? But I, I don't know. I, I guess I've just really found different things that work for me. And then of course, also think about the past few years, pandemic, working from home. Like none of us have really bought too many things unless it's like comfy stuff. Um, But even the comfy stuff can start to add up. Like you can be like, oh, I need these sweatpants in five different colors. Like, nah, you actually don't really need to. Um, So, you know, there's there's different, you know, ways that you can think about showing up to the space and really, um, I don't know, just like thinking about how to get started. Um, So when we think about like, the the definition of what mindful consumption is. Um, There is, you know, there's quite a bit of literature out there, but uh, according to the University of British Columbia, mindful consumption is, quote unquote, the practice of using awareness of sustainability issues to inform purchasing decisions. Um, So again, like we're saying, by being more mindful when you're shopping, you become more aware of your purchasing decisions, you can reflect on the consequences of your buying behavior, and you can make decisions that align with your values. Um, And, again, not only is this a really good exercise from a, I think, mental sanity standpoint and, like, a home sanity standpoint, like, oh, get some more space back in your closet, etc., maybe less clutter, obviously there's going to be a huge impact on the environment, right? When you consume less stuff, you're sending less stuff to to the landfill, especially textile waste, which is particularly problematic, um, and you're just, in general, creating less waste, um, and we actually just had an episode go live with Nick Hussar. Um He's the former uh, CEO, and, you know, always founder of OfferUp, which, you know, to me, it was so cool to get to talk to him. I mean, OfferUp, Craigslist, all of those kind of early circular economy enablers are were so important and so crucial to me as I started to get on a less waste journey. They still continue to be. Um, and Nick actually isn't involved with OfferUp on a daily basis anymore, but He's now started a new um, project called Stuff TV, which is solely focused on the amount of stuff that Americans and really people around the world consume, um, produce waste, etc. And like, we know the stat, right? But like the average American produces 4.5 pounds of trash a day. And so that's a lot. That's a ton. I mean, I think I've talked about this before. Like, what is 4.5 pounds? We said this exact same thing next. Is it the same weight of a bag of flour? Can somebody tell me? I've got to figure that out, but let let us find listeners something that is 4.5 pounds for me to use when I use that statistic, but I don't have it in front of me. (laughs) Um so again, as we face more and more environmental challenges across the planet, whether we're talking about global warming, you know, climate change, extinction of species, like there's so many or endangerment of species, of course, and unfortunately, extinction of some, you know, one thing that I think that can actually be easier than it sounds is just being, again, more mindful about what we're consuming. So I'm going to talk a little bit now about how I personally practice mindful consumption in my own life. So I talked about the capsule wardrobe exercise, right? Um, That I think is a great tip. There's a bunch of people online that still do, um, they're almost like called capsule wardrobe recipes, where they'll like literally lay out a plan for somebody who wants this particular look like here's the amount of pieces that you need and here's how you can mix and match so that's helpful um when it comes to any kind of shopping I try and do something called the 24 hour rule you've heard me talk about this 24 to 48 hour rule which is just like pausing before I hit buy now um so if it's something that's like for the family's benefit then I'll ask my husband I'll check in and just be like do we actually need this because sometimes we don't like sometimes he's like oh we already have that it's just in the garage right so it's another benefit to not having a lot of stuff. is like, maybe I would have known it was in the garage. Um, My joke now with this 24-hour rule is that it's actually way easier to implement now that I've become a parent. Because when I tell you the amount of times I sit down to do anything, including online shopping, and I get interrupted by crazy kiddo or just like chaos of life, then I forget that it happened. I forget what I was doing. So Oftentimes it's it's lots of 24-hour rules happening without me even intending it. But even still, just making sure that you are not impulse purchasing. Or maybe if there's something that you know you like to impulse purchase, like, um, you know, baby pajamas or um, anything else, maybe you just set yourself a budget, right? That's another tip that I have. If you find that you really do derive enjoyment from doing a specific type of purchasing on a regular basis, give yourself a limit or a budget a month, which is like, okay, maybe we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're only going to buy one thing a month, just like cutting it back a little bit. Um, I also, this goes along with what I just mentioned earlier, but thinking about like an inventory system. So by no means do you have to journal or write down or anything like that. Um, That's entirely too complicated. But if you can like set aside time to periodically go through your garage, your closets, places where you store your things so that you can just clean stuff out. Number one, um, make sure you're listed on buy nothing first, right? Buy nothing or peer-to-peer sharing before you go to Goodwill. Goodwill should be a last resort just because stuff doesn't always go where you think it does at Goodwill. Um, so you you can get the benefit of cleaning things out, but then you could also, um, you know, understand what you have so that you don't go back and purchase things. Again, I am guilty of that. I'm guilty like that like everyone else. So it definitely is something that I, I'm trying to work on too. And of course, all of this requires a little bit of time in the day. So, <laughs> you know, these are these are just a few tips. I mean, the last thing I'll say too is just thinking about sustainable swaps you can make um, so that you're consuming less. So we talk about these all the time, the context of Brightly, but, you know, swapping plastic wrap for reusable bowl covers or swapping paper towels for Swedish dishcloths. Things like that can also just make a big Dent in the amount of things you would actually be throwing away, and you can choose when to use when you're using those products to have maybe a little bit of mindfulness around. Well, it's kind of nice that I'm not uh, creating waste. Um, so in closing, I just wanted to remind us all like progress over perfection. We talk about this all the time. I am not perfect. You just heard me here talking about a few of my tips, but I don't follow them all the time myself. I'm a real person, um, but they're things that do help me cut down my consumption um, and to be more mindful about it. So just get started slowly over time. You'll be able to bake more of these into your life. Um, As always, thanks so much for listening listeners. joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social media. You'll find us on almost everything at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together. So have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.